0: Thank you so much for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or you're simply catching up on a message that you missed, we're so glad that you are connecting to God's word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you'll experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at KentwoodCommunityChurch.com. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: And now before we dive into scripture, I'd ask if you would stand as we go into the reading of God's word. And I'm going to have my lovely wife, Carissa, come up here and join me. If you heard me preach before, you know how I do. I always love to read the word together, and then my wife will translate in Spanish. So that is what we're going to continue to do today. So congregation, you will read along with me, and then my wife will repeat the same verse in Spanish. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 24 verses 36 through 29, and I'm reading from the CSB version. This is what it says. Let's read together, verse 36. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the son, except the Father alone.
0: al día nadie lo sabe, ni siquiera los ángeles en el cielo ni el hijo, sino solo el Padre.
1: Verse 37 as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be.
0: La venida del Hijo del Hombre será como en tiempos de Noé.
1: Verse 38. For in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark.
0: Porque en los días antes del diluvio comían, bebían y se casaban y daban en casamiento. Finally, verse 39.
1: They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will
0: be. Thank you, honey. All
1: right, well, church, as Pastor Brant said, Uh, in the beginning of this service, we are going into a new series. I hope you enjoyed the Why Church series, that you were encouraged and motivated to see why we need each other as a body, right? That we're not meant to go through this Christian walk alone, that we need each other. And oftentimes, God blesses us through the gifts and the provisions of each other, that we are meant to provide for one another, to share the burdens of each other, to help each other out. But now as we're transitioning into this new series called, Saint, called uh, Same God Walking in Faith, as Brant said earlier in that powerful testimony, the reality is, is in, the, in this season of life, in our culture, in today's day, it is very easy for us to feel discouraged, to feel alone, to feel that God is not with us, wondering where he is at in our situations, And if we're not careful, if we not only stay away from the church in isolation, but we begin to doubt the goodness of God, that is when lies creep in. That is when the enemy takes a hold of us and we end up losing our faith and walking away from the very person who can provide for us what we need in our troubled times. But the reality is that the blessings we have, one of the biggest blessings we have is the word of God. Because we can look in the scriptures and we can look in situations and stories of people in the past who went through similar struggles as us and we can see how God provided for them and helped them in their time of need. And if we allow the Holy Spirit, we can learn things from those stories and we can apply them to our situation now to give us that hope and support that we need so we can get through the challenge of life. That is one of the benefits of God's word. So that that is the purpose of this series, to inspire you, to give you faith where you need it most, whatever that area may be. To let you know that you're not alone, that not only do do we have each other that we can count on, that we can share experiences and struggles with, but we also have Christians of old that we can look to and learn from their life. So to start this series off, we're taking it way back and we're starting with the story of Noah. Now, when I think of Noah, the first thing I immediately think of is the ark. And for me, thinking of the ark, I think of the time where me and my family, we went to the ark encounter in Williamston, uh, Kentucky. Right, there'll be a picture of that on the slide here. And I think it was, I think it was, it was for our third uh, wedding anniversary. So all we had is just our young lyric. She was like one years old at the time. And I remember pulling into the, the attraction and you just see the ark and it's massive. Like, if you've never been before, I highly encourage you to take a trip, especially now, because when we went, it was, like, just opening, so there wasn't a lot of other stuff. But now they got other attractions there, and I keep seeing the pictures, and we definitely plan to go back. But it was amazing to see the scale of this thing, because until then, all I had was just reading the story, right, and kind of what I put together in images that I would see of the ark. But to actually go there and see the the most accurate up-to-this-date uh reconstruction of the ark it was just amazing to see and to see how god provided for noah and inside the ark there's a whole bunch of uh of exhibits and it can take like three hours to go through the whole thing and it was really cool but one of my favorite areas in the ark was this section where it kind of it talked about this kind of fairy tale aspect it kind of looked like this fantasy room and i have another slide for that and basically what, what they did in this room is it talked about the the of the the story of Noah, and the dangers of it. Right, and it showed it showed all these different storybooks for kids and teenagers, and you know you know the image you get that, that really tiny ark, and it has all these animals poking out. You got giraffes sticking up, stuff like that. It was all these images, and it was interesting because it was talking about the dangers that as we portray the story of Noah this way, what happens and is that we end up desensitizing the seriously not serious not only of the story but of its actuality of happening. And I love this quote from one of the cartoonists who works uh, for Answers in Genesis who created Ark Encounter. He said, we've turned it from an account to a story. And he said the danger of that is is that when we produce these images, what happens is in our minds is we start to treat the story of Noah as a fable rather than an actual historical event. So that's what they're trying to uh, combat against when they made the Ark was that to change our minds from seeing it as this, right, this little bathtub boat with all these animals out to understanding that it was this massive structure that God had called Noah to build. And he talks about the dangers that if we don't do that, we end up desensitizing ourselves and we look at it as a fantasy. And what happens when we do that is we also don't look at the seriousness of the situation that Noah went through with a sober mind. I love this last picture. This, this is a perfect example of what happens when we do this. Here's a story that's written called A Dream Vacation. Now, I don't know about you. So I, I went in. I was intrigued. What is this? A dream vacation is about. And the book is about two pandas who are overworked. And they just desperately want to go on a vacation. When Noah out of nowhere comes and gives them an opportunity that they could not pass up. Man, this is good stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but this story is not about a dream vacation. And I guarantee those pandas, it's not a dream vacation that hey, you're gonna go on this ark and when you come back, everyone you know is gone and so is your home. Not my idea of a dream vacation. But see, that's the dangers. When we take that idea of Noah and we fantasize it, then it becomes a fable, right? And he he, he talked about also in the same video where he made that quote, he talked about how atheists and non-Christians love the story of Noah's ark especially the way that we portray it, because all it does is feed into their argument that it is a myth, that it is a fairy tale. How can Christians say that it's true when they create images like that, when they write books like that? All you're doing is proving our point, that it is a myth and that your God is not real. So just before we dive in, I just wanna bring us back and make sure we understand that this was a real event that happened. It was not a dream vacation, it was a judgment of God on the wickedness of the world. And there was a man, Noah, involved with his family and he experienced trauma in an event that hopefully none of us have to experience as he did. This was not a fantasy. This was the judgment of God in righteousness in the world. So we're gonna start, I'll be reading in Genesis 6 and 7 if you wanna follow along. Again, I'm reading in the CSB version. I wanna start in verse 11, and it says this. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for every creature had corrupted its way on the earth. Then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature, for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and outside. This is how you are to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. You are to make a roof, finishing the size of the ark within 18 inches of the roof. You are to put a door in the, on the side of the ark, make it with lower, middle, and upper decks. Understand that I am bringing a flood, floodwaters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. Now, as I approach this message in this series about encouraging us in our faith, I wanted to make this message very practical So what I wanna do today is I wanna look at the story of Noah and I wanna point out three lessons that we can learn from Noah's life in this particular story. And I think the first lesson is this, is that we have to be able to believe in the unseen. Noah's biggest example of faith is building this ark. You have to understand the fact that as you read the text that Noah did not know when the flood was going to happen until after he finished the ark. Think about that. God literally comes to him and says, hey, guess what? I'm gonna destroy the world. And I want you to build an ark. But don't worry, I'm gonna protect you and your family, but I want you to build an ark because I'm gonna destroy the world. That's it. And he tells them how to do it, right? The measurements. That's all Noah had to go off of. Now, we don't know if Noah had ever built an ark before. Probably not. If he even had any skills at, with woodworking or who knows? But all of a sudden, we see God giving this amazing task with not a whole lot of information, and said, this is what I'm calling you to do. Now, I know I'm not the only one, that when God gives us callings in life or guides us, I like to have as much information as possible, right? Because it's scary. Taking those steps in faith, it's not a comforting thing. But God doesn't call us to stay in our comfort. He always tries to stretch us and help us to grow and be more like Christ. And part of that is in our faith in what God has told us. And we see that with Noah. I'm sure he would have, looked. hey, can I know the exact date and time? Uh, You know, why exactly are you doing this? Can we go into more detail? But he doesn't get that information. But that doesn't stop him from believing in what God had told him. And you also have to think about it. How, How long do you think it took Noah to build that ark? Obviously, we don't have an exact answer, but from what I have researched and studied, most scholars would say uh, going off of the warning that God gave in the previous chapter and uh, have Noah, all of his sons having to be born and at the age where they would be old enough to marry, most people calculate it probably took Noah between 55 to 75 years. That's a long time. Which, whichever number you think of it, we're talking decades to build this thing decades of faith of just going off what God had told him, not knowing the ins and outs, not knowing the details, but for 55 or maybe 75 years saying, okay, God, you told me to do this. This is what I'm going to do. That takes tremendous faith church. I mean, honestly, think about any calling that you've had in your life or any direction that God has given you. I'm sure you didn't wait 55 to 75 years. Right, We go a couple weeks and we're like, God, where are you at? Like, show up. This is taking forever, especially now in our culture, right, because we want everything so fast. Can you imagine if God told you to do something and it wasn't happening for 50 to 70-something decades? And, again, Noah doesn't know when the flood's coming. So in his mind, he's like, hey, I mean, I guess it's not going to happen until I build the ark, so I'm just going to keep building the ark. It's like, man, this is taking a lot longer than I thought it would. Year after year after year, doing the same thing, the same task that God has told him. Tremendous faith. But I think as we go into the next point, before we dive in, I think Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, gives us a a, a better picture and explanation about the faith that Noah had. It says, by faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear. I love that. Godly fear. He wasn't not afraid of, oh, you know, you're the big bad guy. You're or not out of, oh, you know, who am I? or guilt. No, not out of what's going to happen to me. Out of godly fear, out of righteousness, out of respect for God and who he is. He was obedient. Built an ark to deliver his family. By faith he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. There's righteousness that comes by faith. And Noah experienced that and his faithfulness. As we go on in verse 22, there, there's, there's a phrase that pops up multiple times in the story of Noah that I want to touch on, which I think is powerful. It says, well, the first time is in verse 22. It says, and Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. And then in the next chapter in verse 5, again, it says, and Noah did everything that the Lord commanded him. Which I think brings me to the second trait for Noah. Noah is that we must trust that God's word is sufficient. I believe this phrase appears multiple times in the text because the author wants us to make it clear that Noah was obedient. There was no argument, no behind the scenes plot, just obedience. And the reality is, is that for a lot of us when we're reading stories, that's kind of boring. Like, oh no, I want some tension. I want him to go to the mountaintop and scream at God and they have this back and forth battle about why you wanna call it. We just get obedience. And I always find it, like as I was going through this sermon, you know, I started revisiting old movies about Noah and stories. And one thing I always found in common is that in all of the stories, they always got to add a little extra because we need that tension, right? You got one movie, Noah's doubting God, you know, he's like, oh, man, I don't know if this is accurate. And and then other movies, you know, he's kind of, yeah, I, I, this is who I'm supposed to be and I'm doing this. And, we, and we, again, we get these like conflict. There right? has to be an enemy, right? They kind of add in extra people. We don't get that in the text. And I came to the reality is that when it comes to the Bible, biblical stories are not meant to be movies. It's just a reality. We have to understand that. They are true stories that have been shared down from generation to generation, but they're not meant to be movies. They're not action-packed, drama-filled. Some are. But the reality is is that when we take the story of Noah and we heighten it or try to make it more powerful than we think it is, we end up diminishing the obedience of Noah. There's no extra because Noah was obedient in his task. He knew what he needed to do and God's word was sufficient. He trusted in what the Lord told him to do. But part of that trust is also understanding the judgment that was going to come upon the world i mean think about this because as I, as I was going preparing this message I, I realized a lot of people have this this um this mistake in the scripture that noah was a prophet and that he went out and kind of said the people hear ye hear ye the flood is coming i'm building it god told me judgment upon us come to the ark and you will be saved we don't see that in the text This isn't like when God has established his people in Israel, which is yet to come, and over and over again, he gives them opportunities to repent so that they still may be saved. We're not there yet in the story. This is before that. God clearly told Noah, I am only saving you and your family. That is it. It wasn't, hey, I'm gonna save you and your family, and if you go and tell the people and those who respond can be saved, the others won't, no. It was a judgment already signed, sealed, and delivered. It was going to happen. Imagine how that was for Noah. Again, we don't have all the details, but I'm thinking, you know, he's out there, right? He's probably, he's building the ark. Obviously, he's going to be gaining attention. He got this massive structure. People are probably asking him, hey, Noah, what are you doing? Well, I'm building an ark. Well, how come God told me to do it? And to know that every single person that Noah engaged with, there was no hope for them. Think about that. Think about how that must have weighed on Noah. Now, it would have been easy for him to go, God, I know you made this promise, but, you know, destroying everybody, that just doesn't seem right. And I know you're God, but I think I might know better than you, so I'm going to try and persuade some other people to join me on the ark. Right? That's what we like to envision happen because a lot of us wrestle with the idea of God destroying everything. We think that something must have been wrong with God or they must have missed out on something. But we don't see that in the text. Noah was not a prophet prophesying the coming. He knew what was gonna happen. He knew that only his family was gonna be saved and he knew what God had told him to do. But Noah trusted in the sufficiency of God's word. He didn't try to add to it. He didn't try to put a clause on it for other people. He was just obedient and did what God told him to do for decade after decade after decade. That is true faith. Yeah, Noah may have, maybe in in his spirit, he felt that, man, this wasn't right. Man, that that would be awesome if more people could join us. But that didn't stop him from trusting in God's word. We'll never know until we get to heaven. Maybe ask him yourself. All we know from the text is that he was told what was going to happen. He was told that only his family was going to be saved. And he trusted in that and did the mission that he was called to do finally we go over to chapter 7 as it goes on it says seven days from now i will make it rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and every little thing i have living thing i have made i will wipe off the face of the earth and noah did everything that the lord commanded him there's that phrase again noah was 600 years old when the flood came and water covered the earth so Noah, his sons, his wife, and his son's wives entered the ark because of the flood waters. From the animals that are clean and from the animals that are not clean, and from the birds and every creature that crawls on the ground, two of each, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, just as God had commanded him. Seven days later, the floodwaters came on the earth. I think the last lesson that we can learn from Noah in regards to faith is that Noah lived a life of continuous preparation, he never ceased. He didn't step back and take his time, say, hey, well, you know, the flood ain't coming until I build the ark, so I'm just going to relax a little bit. I'll take a couple years off. No, we see he was diligent in his task. And then even after finishing the ark, there was still more work to be done. He didn't say, God, man, it took me, you know, 55, 75 years to build this ark. can I get like six months off? No. God said, good, you did the ark. Now the animals are coming. Now you got to get all the food in. There was still work to be done and Noah continued to be ready and prepared for what God had asked him to do. He didn't lag. He didn't go lazy. He understood he had a mission and he trusted in God and God's timing. He was always prepared. He was ready for what needed to happen. And as we as I said we see in that phrase, right? Noah did everything that the Lord asked of him. He was faithful, he was obedient, he trusted in God's word, and he was always prepared for what needed to be done. And then seven days later, that flood water came. And because of Noah's faith, him and his family was saved from this flood. They were protected by God's grace because God knew what was in Noah. He knew of his faithfulness, and he knew that if he gave Noah that task, that he would be obedient to what he asked him to do. So as I, I look in this story of Noah, and it's just amazing when you, you, know, you remove the fluff and just look at actually what happened, the faith that Noah had to have. This wasn't generations of generations of people passing down stories of God to motivate him. This is early on in human existence. There's not a whole lot to go off from the past. But yet he asked this major request of Noah, and he doesn't obediently, and faithfully. So I look at these lessons and I think, what, what does that mean for us here in 2022? How do we apply these truths to our lives now? And I think a clear indication that it is vastly important for us to understand what happened with Noah is based on the text that we read in the beginning uh, of this message. So right, going back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 to 39. Listen to what Jesus says. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, except the Father alone. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. You know, again, I, I, I go back to, as I said before, the reality of Noah not sharing because no one else was saved in this situation. And since seeing that reflected in the text that Jesus just said, right, they were living life doing whatever they wanted and they did not know it was happening until the floodwaters came, which means they had no foreknowledge of what was coming because it was only for Noah and his family. And Jesus is saying the same way that that swept them by surprise, is the same way that Jesus will return in the end times. Just like Noah, we are also anticipating a time will come where Jesus will come to judge the world, but this time will be the last time. Jesus tells us that just like Noah's day, everything will be the same. We'll be on social media, we'll be having family get-togethers, we'll be out at the club, we'll be at amusement park, doing whatever we're doing, and just like that, it'll be over. The Son of Man will return. But again, knowing that truth and knowing that no one knows the day or the hour, how do we prepare ourselves? How do we remain faithful for when that time comes that we make sure that we are on the right side of judgment? Again, I think we go back to those lessons we learned from Noah and we apply them now. So the first one, again, believe in the unseen. What what does Jesus say in John chapter 20, verse 29? He said, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Just like Noah didn't know about the flood. He didn't know exactly when it was coming. He just trusted in God. The same for us. We don't know when the end of days will be, but we know that just as Jesus said then, we are living in the days of Noah now. And the same way that Noah trusted in God, even though he didn't see all the details, is the same way that we need to trust in him today. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know all the signs to look for the exact uh, time that it's going to be. But we know who God is. And we know his word. And obviously, God is not telling us to do something that he has not equipped us to be able to handle. Right? The fact that we have his word, he's saying, look, you can have faith in me. Just go back and look in scripture. Look at the the countless examples that there are. Let that be your motivation to give you faith to trust in who I am and what I'm saying. We have to be able to believe in the unseen. So often, so desperately, we wanna be like, no God, I need this sign, I need you to do it my way. And Jesus is like, no, I provided for you what you need to believe in me. If you don't, that's saying there's something wrong with you that you need to get right. But I've done my part, and I know who I am. So believe in me. We have to have that belief, church. That is what gives us faith. Secondly, we must trust that God's word is sufficient. We cannot expect to be ready for the return of Jesus if we do not trust in the sufficiency of scripture. Ever since the garden, the enemy has always tried to make us question the word of God. Did God really say this? And unfortunately, we live in a time more than ever where the word of God is constantly under attack. It's being edited and changed to fit the narrative and the needs that people have. That is not trusting in the sufficiency of God's word. We need to be like Noah and say, this is what God said. I'm not adding to it or taking it away, but I'm going to follow it. Just like Noah, that's how we need to live today. To say, I'm not about the tickling of ears and pleasing people, that I'm going to put my salvation on the line, the salvation of others, just so that I can appeal them in their flesh today. That is not what we're called to do. We're called to trust in the sufficiency of scripture. But it's so tempting, it is so hard to not appeal to the masses and just say the right things so we can avoid conflict, so that we can have everybody on our team and that they can make us feel good and that we're doing something right. But at what cost? There are countless people who claim to be Christians that have fallen for this trick. We see it all over the news and social media everywhere. It's all around us that people are turning on the word of God to please man. You know, I had a perfect example of this uh, a few weeks ago. I was at my in-laws' house and I was watching some, some NBA playoff basketball and I was just relaxing and this commercial came on the screen and it was a Christian commercial. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? And I was going and they're you know, they're talking about God and, you know, all the things that he went through and the gospels and I'm like, man, how is this happening? How is a Christian commercial airing like in the middle of primetime basketball? Like, on a, on a secular network. I was like, this is amazing, Lord. And again, as I was watching it, you know, it said their website at the end. And I was like, now I'm intrigued. Like, I want to know, how did they do this? So I go on the website, and I'm, I'm looking, and I'm reading some stuff. And it was really cool. It was well done. And, you know, again, they're talking about all these examples of, you know, Jesus has been through this. And, uh, you know, you, you go through this. Jesus knows what you've been through, right? That relational aspect of Christ, which we celebrate. Right, we're thankful that we have a God who came, who humbled himself and came to flesh to dwell among us, so that he knows all any pains that we experience. I rejoice in that. But I noticed as I kept going through the website, I wasn't really getting a lot of information on who Jesus was. So, you know, I'm I'm still looking. I'm, you know, again, I'm trying to keep an open mind, not be judgmental. And then at the bottom, I saw it said, to click to learn more about Jesus. I said, There we go. All right. So I click on it. And it brought me to Version, the Bible app. And they have devotionals. I was like, this is great. They had two of them, two seven-day devotionals. So again, my curiosity is getting the best of me. I said, let me, let me see what's in these devotionals. So I'm looking, I'm reading through them day after day. I'm going over, looking. And I get to the end of the first devotional, and I realize in the whole seven days, not one time do they have the divinity of Jesus or the need to repent and of sin. I said, oh, that's not good. I said, okay, here we go. I said, you know, I was like, you know, maybe, just maybe, they're trying to bring people in to, you know, kind of just get them in the door, and then they're really going to hit them with with the need for salvation, right? So I saw at the end of the seven days, it said, if you want to dive deeper into who Jesus is, try our other devotional. I said, here we go. That's what it is. I see what you're doing, the steps. You're bringing them in, right, kind of appealing to them. And then, so I go to the next devotional, going through... I get to the end of the devotional, the second one. Not one mention of Jesus's divinity, not one mention of sin and the need to repent. Here's a website, primetime TV, saying, hey, you struggle with depression, loneliness, so did Jesus. You feel betrayed, so was Jesus. You get angry, so did Jesus. Drawing these people in, not to show them who Christ is, what he can do for them, but to make them feel better about what they're going through. Now hear me when I say this, that's all good and well, and that's understanding of who Jesus is, but that's not all who Jesus is. There's more to Christ than, uh, than relating to what we're going through. Why did he relate to what we're going through? So he could show us what it looks like to live righteously and to bring us back to him. That is the purpose of the gospel that the devotion that's all the tickling ears. And I look, this devotion had been downloaded over 14,000 times. And I'm asking myself, someone goes through this devotion. What are they going to know about Jesus? Just that he relates to me. Not that he's God, not that he's perfect, sinless, blameless, that he humbled himself to dwell among us. Not that he died for my sins. It was, it was shocking to read that. But if you would ask those people, they would say, we're telling people about Jesus. We're spreading the good news. But are they really? Or are you just appealing to the masses to tell them what they want to hear? Not trying to cross lines and, and get too sensitive and make people feel bad. No, but you want to stay nice and safe and just say, yes, this is the Jesus we serve. When we see all through scripture, God related to people, he walked among them, but he always called them to repentance. Because him meeting them and understanding them was not where he wanted them to stay. He wanted to meet them where they are so that he could bring them to where he wanted them to go. And it's the same with us today, church. We cannot live that way. We must trust in the sufficiency of scripture. Not worried about who we have hurt and offend, do it in love, but understand that that is our mission, and if we're not careful, just like that website, we can do the same thing where we fall in those traps, and we don't actually trust in the sufficiency of Scripture. We end up just like, like, as I said, with Noah, where we say, yeah, he didn't mean that only Noah could be saved. I'm sure Noah could have went and talked to the people. We end up adding to what the Word of God says. Finally, as with Noah, we need to be in continuous preparation Since we don't know the day and hour of Jesus' return, it is important for us to always be ready. It's tempting for us to relax, take our foot off the gas, and just live in the moment of life. But as we know, tomorrow is not promised. So what are we doing today to let people understand and know about Jesus? It's easier for us to say, oh, someone else will do it. They'll take care of it. I'm just going to live my life. But is that what God has called you to do? We must be in constant preparation because we do not know the day or the hour. The soon as we start to rest and relax, that's when that moment could come like a thief in the night. So we must be ready, church. Right, what does Pastor Mick always tell us? Let's finish the mission and go home. That is a sense of preparation. Not saying, hey, let's let's wait till the next generation does it or two or three from now. No, let's do it now. Let's go out and reach the masses and show them the love and the grace and forgiveness of Christ. That is how our mindset should be. Not, yes, I'm a Christian now, but I'm just going to live my life and go through the motions day in and day out. Not live out my calling and my purpose that God has for me. That's not what Noah did. Everything else was secondary to the mission that God had given him. And church, that should be the same for us today. So I want us to ponder that. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back out. And I wanna give us a time to truly come before God and have him fill us, equip us with the faith that we need for the journey that we're on. Again, that is what these scriptures are for. They're meant to inspire us, to give us hope, to show us that we're not alone. Whatever we're experiencing, not only did Jesus go through, but there have been followers of him Countless times in the past that have had those same struggles, but they overcame, not because of themselves, but because of their faith in God. They trusted that he was going to show up despite their circumstances, despite their lack of details and knowledge, despite what was going on around them, what other people may have said. We'll see throughout these series that over and over again, that still allowed them to trust in God and have the faith needed to do what God had called them to do. So I want us to have some reflection time. Maybe you've heard one of these points and and you're thinking, yeah, I know that's an area that I struggle with. And I wanna give you the chance to come before God and ask for faith in that area. So some of the thoughts I have for us this morning. Number one, do you truly believe in the unseen? Maybe if you're just honest with yourself, that's something you struggle with. You're saying, Pastor Michael, you know, I. I believe in God, I have a relationship with him, but you know, more and more I'm starting to see things and people are saying stuff to me and I think I am losing my faith. That's okay to admit that. But what are you going to do about that? Are you gonna seek God and trust that he will give you what you need to strengthen your faith? Or are you going to doubt that he's even real in the first place? Ask yourself that question. Do you truly believe in the unseen? Secondly, do you believe that God's word is sufficient? Are you saying, you know, yeah, as I look at my relationships and as I'm sharing the gospel, maybe I am adding things to it or taking stuff away because I'm afraid of what people will say, that they'll, they'll label us me as this hateful Christian or uh, that I'm a bigot or all these other things, and I just want to go through life peaceful. I want people to come to Christ, but I want to do it in a non-threatening way. Maybe you're seeing that that's not working. Like that website, that's not the true gospel. It sounds good now, but if if you're really thinking about that person, is that really what's going to save them? And then finally, are you living a life of preparation or carelessness? How are we living? Are we living with that preparation like Noah? Or are we just going through the motions saying, hey, Jesus is gonna show up, I don't know when, so I'm gonna live my life to the fullest until that happens. Maybe you need more faith in that area. Say, God, help me to truly be on fire for you, to not just let days, weeks, months go by before I even speak to you and ask, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? Let that stop today. Come and say, Lord, give me faith to trust in what you have for me, to be bold, And the task you have given me. So as the worship uh, team sings, I just invite you, if you want to come up front, you can do that. We can pray for you if any of those three areas resonate with you right now. Online, any of those three areas, if you type that in the chat and say, yes, I need help in this area. We have people there that can pray for you. But let's not miss this moment, church. Let's come before the throne of God and understand that it is the same God that guided Noah. The same God that shut the door when that flood came and protected his family is the same God we serve now. He can give us the faith that we need, but we gotta ask for it. We have to be honest about where our faith is weak because he already knows. And we need to come to him repentance and say, Lord, make me strong. So I encourage you as we sing, come forward and seek the faith that you desire.
0: Faith stood strong in you, Jehovah. The storms surround me, and I will not fear. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face the light. But I've got my own giants who oh got my Same God, you are the same. Right now you are the same, you're the same God. You, the same. you touch the lepers, and I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. mighty river come
1: and fill me again come and fill me again amen I want to thank all of you for being with us today and those online I hope that you were blessed I hope you felt the presence of God and know that you were here for a reason So as we leave today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And as you leave today, will you walk with your head held high, knowing that the same God who walked with Noah, that protected him and his family, is the same God with us today. Amen? All right. God bless you. We'll see you next week.